grace and peace of Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church. And especially if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you are here with us. There is a friendship pad that should be on each pew near the center aisle. And we'd love to have you take that and fill it out and let us know that you're here with us today, whether you're always here or whether this is your very first time. Love to know that you're here with us today. In the bulletin, you'll see our announcement sheet, which we call the Connections. And you are in luck. Today is the annual pancake breakfast with all sorts of expanded menu. So after church, over in Tankersley Hall, I hope you'll all join us for time for pancakes and for all sorts of other things and to sit around and to meet one another after the service. Also, next Sunday is World Communion Sunday. You can see there are lots of things going on in the morning. And also next Sunday evening, we have a very special guest who will be speaking to us. Her name is Sushma Ramswamy. She is obviously from India, and she is part of one of the 10 peacemakers who are traveling with the PCUSA around the United States talking about their countries. So she will be talking about India and some of the challenges that India has, particularly about the Dalit people. And that will be next Sunday night at 7 o'clock in the parlor. Uh, also, you will see that we are signing up for men's retreat still. You can do that online. That is just a few weeks away. And third Friday this month, is going to be back by popular demand, Dr. Cordula Dick-Mulkey. Many of us heard her last spring and were so impressed by her. She's going to be talking about the difference that faith makes in the way that we grow older. And we're all growing older, no matter how old you are, and how to do that in a way that is a successful aging process that's about more than just what your body feels like as you get older, a way to live into the spirituality of that. That is, that is taking sign-ups today, and it is a potluck, but we still need a reservation for that. Also, this week on Tuesday, Phil Troutman passed away. We will be having more information later about a, mor a memorial service for him. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, the one who has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ. With grace, with power, with forgiveness and strength, with truth and love. May your Holy Spirit enter the hearts of those who wait with quiet expectation for all that is good, just, and holy. Bless our worship and give us your peace this morning. Through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The psalmist in Psalm 49 calls us to worship this morning with the wisdom of God. Hear this, all you peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the harp. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of my persecutors surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? Truly no ransom avails for one's life. There is no price one can give to God for it. Do not be afraid when some become rich when the wealth of their houses increases. For when they die, they will carry nothing away. Their wealth will not go down after them. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for God will receive me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's stand and continue in our worship. Now's the time to worship.
psalmist continues to ask, why should I fear in times of trouble? When the iniquity of my persecutors surrounds me, 
those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly, no ransom avails for one's life. There is no price one can give to God for it. For the ransom of life is costly and can never suffice that one should live on forever and never see the grave. And so let us confess our sins responsibly. Lord, you said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Forgive us our lukewarm love and our disobedience. Lord, you said you may ask for anything in my name. Forgive us when we think we need to solve our own problems. Lord, you said do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We confess that our lives are often consumed by worry and anxiety. Lord, you said if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Forgive us our barren lives, Lord. Lord, you said you must testify, for you have been with me. We confess, Lord, that we have been too often silent. Lord, you said love each other as I have loved you. In this and in so many other ways, we confess our failures and our shortcomings. And so in the silence, we tell the Lord the truth about ourselves. For we pray through Christ, our Savior. Amen. My friends, God the Creator brings us new life, forgives and redeems us. Let us take hold of this forgiveness and live our lives in the spirit of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'd like to introduce to you Christian Education Elder Cheryl Bean. Good morning. It's so fun for me to be up here. Um, I'm here to encourage you to um, take a leadership role in our Sunday school. And we have a wonderful group of children who need um, Sunday school teachers. And you don't need to be a teacher um, to do this. And Maggie and Gail are wonderful about organizing everything you can walk in and take 15 minutes um, before Sunday school starts and look at the curriculum of the day. The video is all queued up for you. It's very, very simple. But we really encourage you to, if you're a mother, a father, a grandmother, or a grandfather, or if you've never had any children, this is an opportunity to um, be with wonderful, wonderful children. Um, I have been blessed to be able to do some Sunday school teaching and you will go away feeling like you've really contributed to our church family. So I encourage you to call Gail or Maggie or just call the church office and let them know that you're interested in volunteering to um, take one Sunday a month if that's what you want to do. They do not require you to be there every single Sunday. You just let them know when you can come. But I really encourage you, if you're thinking about contributing to our church family in some way, I encourage you to look at this and give it a whirl. It's very, very fun, and it's very rewarding. And our children need it. They're our future. And they're not only the future of our church, but they're the future of our nation. And we need to give them that very strong moral foundation. So thank you, and I hope that you just give it a whirl. Just try it.
A sower went to sow some seed. A sower went to sow some seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell among the footpath, where it was trampled on and eaten up by birdies. Tweet, tweet, tweet. And some seed fell among rocks. And as it grew, withered for lack of moisture. And some seed fell among the weeds. And the weeds grew up with it. And choked it. And some seed fell among good soil. And as it grew, it yielded a hundredfold. Yay! Now, if you have ears to hear, then listen. Listen, for this is what the parable means. Do you know what the seed is? A baby! Uh, no. Oh. The seed is the word of God. That seed which fell upon the footpath represents those who hear the word, but then the devil comes and carries them off for fear they should believe and be saved. And that which fell upon the rock, oh, they receive the word with joy when they first hear it, but they have no root, and so in time of testing they desert. And that which fell among the weeds, they hear the word, but their further growth is impaired by cares and wealth and pleasures of the world. Oh, no, no, no. They bear no fruit. No fruit. But that which fell upon the good soil. Hey, good soil. They hear the word with a good and honest heart, and through their perseverance, yield a harvest. Ta-da! <laughs> and now we can pass the offering plate. That's the sermon. It was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was great. We really appreciate it, bringing the Word to life. It is good. It is good to be in worship, isn't it? It's what our hearts long for. It's what our hearts long for, to be in the presence of God and to be centered and focused in Him. And our hearts long, our hearts long for the Word of God. It's not only when we hear the Word of God that we're taught about who God is, but we are also brought into a deeper relationship with him and so whether it's read or whether we're able to see it we are drawn closer to him by his word thank god for his word let us pray father we gather here this morning with hearts that long to be centered in you and you call for us to be a people who are vulnerable and dependent before you and we confess that our hearts often are drawn into all different directions. We sense a competition going on for our value system. Help us to be honest with ourselves this morning, honest with you, so that our hearts might be receptive to you. We ask this now in Christ's name. Amen. Having studied this passage, this parable, over the last few weeks, it reminded me of a leadership class I had taken at Fuller Seminary up in Pasadena. The leadership class was taught by Dr. Bobby Clinton, one of the cutting-edge minds on leadership study. Before this two-week intensive class started, we had to read over 4,000 pages of required reading. I was reading when I was on the bike at the gym. I would read at halftime watching a football game. I found myself always reading, and I found myself taking it in. Now, this reading also included studies written on multiple Bible characters. I still remember them. There was Moses and Deborah and Hannah, Samuel, Saul, David, Solomon, Peter and Paul, and yes, Mary. Each of these character studies asked the question, a very important question. 
Did this person, in their walk with God, along with their responsibility to the people of God, did they finish well? Did they finish so-so? Or did they finish poorly? Now, some were subjective. Others were quite obvious. However the character might have finished, no matter how great that character was and what they had accomplished in Scripture, there was a common factor in every person's life. They each had a weakness. They each had a thorn, which had the barrier, had the potential to be a barrier to their walk, their call with God, their growth in the Spirit. And something else became clear to us over this two-week class. It's what differentiated them from one another. It was how they responded to the Word of God in the face of their weakness or their trial. For our final project, we were told we had to write a 100-page paper. This paper had to be on ourselves And part of this paper needed to address the necessary steps we were going to take so that we could thrive in our relationship with God in the present so that we could ultimately, what? Finish well. Bobby, Bobby had listed seven common barriers that he had seen in his character studies of those in Scripture, along with those in contemporary leadership, which had the potential to cause the person to finish so-so or poorly. We had to write about each one of those in regards to ourselves, then talk about, for a number of pages in that paper, which one presently was causing us the greatest challenge in our relationship with God, and which one we thought might cause us to finish so-so or poorly if we didn't pay attention to it. Want to hear the seven? Of course you do. But here's the deal. When I read these seven potential barriers, I want you to be honest with yourself and think about which one of these barriers might cause you to finish so-so or poorly if you don't pay attention to it. Here's the seven. Money. Power, sex, pride, busyness, plateauing, and family issues. Now notice some of those are good in and of themselves, such as family. But as has been said before, sometimes the good can be the greatest rival to the best. Writing those pages, it was humbling. It was eye-opening, and yet it's one that has paid dividends throughout my ministry and my life. I'll never let you read the paper, by the way. (laughs) I'll never forget the last day of class. He taught for about three hours and 55 minutes. Then the last five minutes, when he talked about the paper, he got up right in our grill. And he looked at each of us and he said, it is time for you. It is time for you to get serious about your faith. Time for you to get serious about your ministry. Every one of you needs to be jealous for your faith to make sure that you finish well. And he said, I want you, each and every one of you, to get serious and figure out what that barrier, that obstacle might be so that you for a lifetime will be receptive to God's word. And then with tears in his eyes, he said, I want you, all of you, to finish well. As we sit here this morning, I'd be willing to guess that every one of us as followers of Christ would want nothing more than to thrive right now in the present with our relationship with God. I would hope that you'd want nothing more than to finish well in your relationship with God. Does that speak of you this morning? I hope so. 
And yet we are well aware as we sit here this morning that there is much in life. There is much going on in your life right now which has the potential to be a barrier to you being receptive to God. Keeping us at times from experiencing the fullness of Christ. Hindering a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and stifling us from sharing our life and our gifts with others so that the kingdom of God might grow. Because those barriers have the potential to cause us to be self-centered, don't they? But here's some good news. It's good to know that we are not alone. Every character of the Scripture that I studied had the same challenge, as does each person sitting on each side of you. Take a moment right now and look at the person sitting on each side of you. Just go ahead and do it. Guess what? They have some of the same issues that you do. Isn't that good to know? They look fantastic right now. They've dressed up real nice. They have a smile on their face. But deep down inside, they too have carried with them something here this morning that can be a barrier or a thorn to their faith, myself included. It's why this parable of Jesus Christ is so poignant as we start this new school year. Could it be the condition that this specific soil is facing amongst the thorns may be the one for which most of us this morning can most identify with. Jesus is a great storyteller, isn't he? He said the farmer scattered the seeds. The seed begins to take root and grow, and lo and behold, the thorns, notice which were present there in the first place, started to wrap around the small plant little by little. As it wrapped around the produce of the seed, it slowly started to choke the life out of the plant. What were the thorns doing? They were taking the nutrients from the soil, depriving the plant of light and water, even trying to block its airflow. The goal of the thorn, don't forget this, the goal of the thorn to squeeze the life out of the plant why? To take the soil all for itself. If there was any question to each part of the parable, Jesus makes it clear. The farmer is the preacher. The seed is the word of God. The kingdom of God, the seed, is Jesus Christ himself. The soil, well, we know now the soil is our hearts. And Jesus says the thorns are the cares of our lives and the lure of wealth. And now we know the goal of the thorns, to squeeze the faith out of us and to take our hearts all for themselves. So now do you understand the urgency of Jesus when he stood up before the people? I don't think he said, well, listen. I think he looked at them like Bobby looked at us in that class. I think he said, heed my words. Be cautious of your life, your faith, and listen to what I have to say. So we can picture it. Picture it in your mind. A person has heard the word of God just like yourself. That person takes it very seriously, even making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. They believe upon the miracles. They know that Jesus had restored sight to the blind and, and raised the dead. They even had experienced the life-changing power in their own life. They know the grace. They know of the grace and mercy of God, believing on the death of Christ on the cross to forgive them of their sins. They know of His resurrection from the grave and the eternal life that He promises. They understand the truths of the Word of God. And something is happening. Something is happening time to time, maybe over a lot of time. Something is happening deep within the heart. Slowly, and like I said, maybe you can relate. Slowly, they feel their heart being dragged in all different directions. 
The commitment that started out so boldly has now become divided, and there is a competition going on over the devotion of the heart, and slowly the heart has been choked. And I don't only mean figuratively, but you know what I'm talking about. Have there ever been times when you have literally, because of all of the cares of life and because of the lure of wealth, that you actually feel like someone is pushing down upon your throat and choking you? You ever had that feeling? Guess I'm alone. Jesus identifies two thorns. First, the cares of this world. Bring any cares with you here this morning? You ever been sitting there listening to a sermon? As great as the sermon may be, and you start finding your mind drifting off, thinking about those cares and how you're going to deal with them, and your mind starts spinning in all these different directions, and you go, oh my gosh, wait a minute, I'm here in church. I'm supposed to be listening to the sermon. We all do it. I know what I carry with me. I can tell you what I'm carrying right now. I'll be honest and vulnerable. I think about my marriage, my kids. I think about their school and sports, their future and college, my work, my ministry, the church. I think about my parents and health and bills to pay and my cars and the news on the TV and on and on it goes. It's exhausting sometimes. Those cares have the potential to take priority over my life, and I can feel the competition in my heart. It's demanding my energy, my thoughts, and most of all, it's demanding my devotion. It's one thing to wisely plan ahead. It's another to let them take control. I read this. What happens if I yield to all of their demands? It's an attempt to manage my own life as opposed to letting God manage my life, as opposed to surrendering all of my cares and worries and anxieties to Him. Second, the lure of wealth. How much does a rich man need? Just a little bit more than they already have. Money is neither good nor bad. It's necessary for a society and economy to work. We all know that. And yet something happens when I pursue the lure that more wealth will make me more happy and secure. When I pursue pursue that lure, it will demand my time, my energy, and my devotion. This is what I read. What happens when I yield to wealth's demand? It's an attempt to find a solution to life through my own resources, as opposed to trusting upon God and His security for my life. I found what both of those have in common that Jesus spoke of. It comes down to one word, value. What will I value most in life? One of my favorite movies is Parenthood. I'd have to say it's in the top five of one of my favorite movies. It's with Steve Martin. One of the things I most appreciate about that movie is you could watch it every 10 years and you will relate to another character in that movie or another generation. Just watch it again. You relate to a totally different character than you did 10 years ago. And you learn something in that movie. You learn that everyone And I mean everyone has an issue, a thorn. At times I can relate to Steve Martin when he's talking to his dad about all the cares of life. He's almost weeping. He's talking to his dad about his sons. and He's talking about his job and his wife. And he's going on and on with his dad. And I love his dad at that moment in the picture. He just stands there and listens. And then his dad pats him on the cheek. And he goes, you know what your problem is, son? You worry too much. (laughs) Clearly, it's his thorn. At the end of the movie, he comes to terms with it, and he knows what he's going to have to do in the future. And if he doesn't, he knows that that thorn will choke the life and joy out of him. But here's the good news. You ready for some good news? 
The good news for us as followers of Christ. Clearing out the thorns is not your job. Do I hear an amen? Amen. It's the gardener's job. Jesus loves, and I'll say this again, he loves to be invited in to take on the thorns of our lives. He loves it because when we call out and cry out to him what those thorns are, Jesus knows that we're being dependent upon him for all things. It's not a one-time tax for him to come in. It's not a monthly or a weekly job for, for just an hour to do a little cutback and a little watering. It's a daily job. It's an hourly job. And he loves to get in there, no matter what your thorn or your barrier is, no matter how much you feel guilty about it or embarrassed about it, Jesus loves to get in there. And I want to tell you something this morning. He can handle it. And the good news doesn't stop there. Jesus took our thorns upon himself at the cross. And he took our crown of thorns so that we could be set free to live, to truly live. And His Holy Spirit is here with us right now. And His Holy Spirit wants to take up residence in our hearts over and over again to remind us of who and what is most valuable. And that is Jesus Christ Himself. Our responsibility, like Bobby said, is to identify those thorns to take those thorns to Christ and to put ourselves as often as possible in that place to hear God's word so that our hearts, by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, would be receptive to his word, that we would live more and more for him. I tell you, it will be a fight of faith and it will be your whole life long, but we're not alone. We have each other. Take a look again at those people next to you. We have each other. And take a big look around here. We have the church, don't we? And most importantly, we have Jesus Christ, who will never, and He has promised, He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will always be by our side, caring for us as our Savior and Lord. And so I look to each one of you today, and I say, by God's grace, may we thrive in the present, and may we ultimately finish well. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with many cares and worries caught up in the lure of wealth, especially in this country. And we lay all these things before you at the feet of Jesus. And we pray as the gracious gardener that you would come in and help us of these thorns that we might be receptive to your word for a lifetime. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd now like to invite the ushers to come forward as we give of our tithes and offerings.
beautiful. Can we give her a hand? That was just so Let's all stand as we sing the doxology together. join in prayer. Gracious God, you sow the seeds of life within our hearts. We praise you and thank you for your goodness. You made us in your image, gave to us the capacity to respond to your love, to live with gratitude and joy. Forgive us for our resistance to your presence and power. Our hearts are often hard, we live at the shallow level of our potential. The rocks that destroy the roots of hope are not removed. The thorns of anxiety, fear, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the good seeds of the kingdom. You have cultivated our hearts this morning. You've opened us up to the possibility of becoming productive soil and of being fruitful plants. We thank you. We bring to you our worry and our fear. We surrender the thorns of unbelief. We ask you to remove from our hearts all that threatens your reign within us and among us. We bring to you the concerns of our lives. We confess that we do not know what really to fret about. Our needs are beyond our own understanding. Please bring illumination to us this day and each day of this week, empower us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. As we pray for ourselves, we are praying for our loved ones. Bring peace and healing into their hearts. Grant the peace that passes all understanding. Guard their hearts and minds from all that confuses and torments the inner soul. We thank you for the Pope's visit to our homeland he reminded us of the gift of freedom and the call to live with determination to work for justice and social righteousness. Bring compassion to our hearts as we pray for our nation, its leaders, and all those who serve the common good. For those who live among us who are homeless and who live day by day, we pray. Open new doors for them, lift heavy burdens, heal their minds, give to them the capacity to think, to plan, and to work. In this moment of prayer, we lift up before you the names of loved ones for whom we seek your blessing. For Chris and Doug, for Carl and Cheryl, for Beth Finney, for my wife Kay, for Don, for all who search, who are alone, who are tempted to think that they have been forgotten or abandoned, bring a friend to them today to bring reassurance that they belong to your family and to you. This morning we think of all those who are in transition to what they hope will be a new life. Especially we remember all those who are fleeing violence and insecurity in the Middle East. We pray for the nations of the earth who are confronting political and economic challenges because of this exodus. Lift heavy burdens of anxiety and fear. Give to us all a new way of seeing our world and a language that makes and keeps friends. Forgive us when we fail. We pray for your people, your church, and your servants. Bring reconciliation to your people. 
Help us to walk in humility, to see others with merciful eyes, and to do all that we may do to build your kingdom into the lives of our children. Bless these gifts we bring to present to you this morning. May they grow the kingdom and deepen the soil of our lives. Triune God, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we all belong to you. We celebrate that you have welcomed us into the fellowship of your love. We pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue to worship the Lord together as we sing hymn number 228, Rejoice, the Lord is King. You may be standing there longing for something to eat, and we can take care of that right over at the Tankersley Hall. <laughs> Pancakes and sausage and yogurt and granola. You can even fellowship with one another over there. So we invite you over to the Tankersley Hall after our service. And now may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you this week. Amen. Amen.